WPSL Port St. Lucie. It is time now for We Are Just Christians, live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good Good morning, morning. and welcome to We Are Just Christians. We're so glad that you tuned in today to the show. And we'll be on for the next hour here live in WPSL here in Port St. Lucie. Hope you can join us for that hour and uh, or as much of it as you can. And uh, We Are Just Christians is a live call-in show. So I'm going to give you the numbers in just a moment to get a hold of us if you'd like to reach us here on the show with whatever is on your mind today. My name is Mike Schmidt. I'm the preacher and one of the elders of the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. And Gary Jones, how you doing? He's I'm, our, I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. Gary's is, Gary is our partner in all of these things. and Just, run, just running late. <laughs> yeah, it seems like we're, we're kind of pushing it this morning, pushing the envelope of being late. And uh, somehow I can't even find my phone, which I... Well, I've got can, mine on. I so. can imagine. I can imagine. We can probably take texts, but it might be uh, difficult or go to Gary's phone. But somewhere, the locator says it's with me, but uh, <laughs> I, I can't find it. It may, be, yeah. it may be out in Gary's car or something. It'd be, but, like, uh, be like my dad when he lost his pipe and... Uh, searched the car over and drove back to where we were and all of a sudden my mom looked up and said eh, your pipe's in your mouth <laughs> mm. oh my yes that kind of thing does happen occasionally i'm sure well listen we're glad to have you with us today here on we are just christians we are just christians is about being just a new testament christian in an age where uh, people tend to do their own thing and or they have gotten involved without really having thought through it because it's what they grew up with, various man-made denominations and religious traditions and so forth. And we're trying to avoid that, trying to go back to the first century and just be a Christian. And so we're talking about this subject here in in Port St. Lucie, and whoever is listening online, we're glad that you're with us, but talking about this subject and in various ways to influence how people think about being a Christian, what it means about the Word of God, and uh, all those things, and it's a process to learn how to get beyond being caught up in human thinking and ideas, whether it's whether it's from a cultural idea or a religious idea, and go back to the Bible for the answer. So, if you call the show, I don't care what subject it is that you have on your mind, or what the situation might be—a positive or negative, whatever it might be. We're going to try as best we can to go to the scriptures and give you some kind of an answer from the Bible or some kind of direction to go. That's where we're going to point you because we believe that's where the answer is. And that's what We Are Just Christians is about in a general way, becoming uh, a simple New Testament Christian by a simple and plain reading of the Bible. So that's where we are. And yes, we're glad that Gary is back. We've got a text. Glad Gary's feeling better. Yes, Gary's back with us today. We're really glad about that after having been under the weather, and um, we appreciate him being here with us today as part, almost almost always. Part of getting old, here. Mike. I'm, part I'm, of getting old? Yeah, I'm that's the part old. we all just really love, isn't it? Uh, and uh, But if you want to sum up, we are just Christians in one scripture, and I'm going to quote it again. You're going to hear it a lot from me. John 12:48. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him, the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Yes. That's what we're about. Yes, that's exactly right. So we go back to the word because Jesus himself said that that's the thing that is going to judge us, that we ought to be concerned about is what the word says. And I know that most Christian religions will, will talk a lot about the Bible or whatever the case may be. Some do a lot of talking about it, but in the end, what they're trying to tell you is don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to the Pope or the Cardinals or or pay attention to uh, this scholar, that scholar, and and so forth, rather than, or our tradition, our creed book, rather than what the Bible says, or to say, well, the Bible may say this, but, and then there's this whole explanation of how the Bible just isn't good enough for modern man, but we're going to reject that general premise. Or one of the things I've heard is that's the way it was back then, but that's not the way it is yes, now. Yes, and that's okay. the idea that it's not it's not that good for modern man. Now, now we no times have changed, but we understand the Bible. We believe from our experience of reading it and trying to understand it that the Bible principles are timeless and eternal, 
and they transcend the common culture, whatever generation we're living in, and go back to those things. So we can find out how here in the 21st century, how we ought to be just a Christian. And that's what this show is about. So we invite you along on the journey. If, if you'd like to reach us and talk with us today, here are the ways you can do that. The simplest way, the most direct way, and it's going to get you to the front of the line, is to call the number for WPSL, the regular call-in number, which is 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590 is the number to call. And we'll uh, Ray there at the station will take your call. He'll patch it. Patch it through quickly to us here. Uh, we're, we do this through Skype from our uh, church auditorium, our church assembly hall, and so we'd be glad to take your call. And we'll try to have a conversation with you. The idea of the show is not just to uh, um, you know, argue with people or hope people get people mad enough that they call in. That isn't the premise of the show. We don't care if you're upset or angry with us when you call in or with the church in general, but... Uh, we're going to try to have a conversation with you. So if you can, you know, give us some information about the call, what you have in mind, the question, and we'll we'll go back and forth a little bit. And I think that'll be interesting to people. And we promise we're going to give you the last word, especially if we disagree. We're going to give you the last word on that subject so you don't feel like we're trying to take advantage of you and so forth. And uh, uh, we ha- also will we can take your text messages now we have a caller so uh, jerry if you just hang on just a moment we'll we'll get to you but uh, uh we have a text line you can try to text me uh, my name is mike my number is 772-260-6120 772-260-6120 and gary's text number and that might work out better this morning is 772 two, very similar number 772 260 6220 is Gary Jones's number, and he's the other elder here in the church, 772-260-6220. We'll try to get to your text on the air if it's at all possible today. And so anyway, those are the two best ways to get a hold of us. We'll tell you some other ways in just a moment. But right now, let's let's go to Jerry. Jerry, are you there? Uh, thank you, Mike. Uh, good morning, uh, Gary. I was wondering- good morning. The Trinity, uh, when a person is contemplating the Trinity and the uh, term, the third world, in other words, that job poverty, and if a person is going through that, uh, they offer this pain up to the to God, you know. And uh, I guess it's a very general question, but if you could explain both the uh, the concept of the Trinity and the concept of the third world, in other words, abject poverty. I'd like to listen off that. That won't pay, Mike. Well, hang on one second. That'll be fine. But let me ask you this: Are you saying you want to, you want us to talk about poverty, and then? Well, um, the Trinity uh, is a. I'm excuse me, Mike. Uh, no, I'm that's sa- okay. We just have a. We don't have a great connection. Uh, you're not. You're not saying eternity, are you? No, no. I'm not saying eternity. I'm saying the Trinity. Trinity. The Trinity. Uh, Trinity. Uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Gotcha. God. Okay. Now, uh, yeah, I, it finally came through clear. Okay. Well, uh, we will talk. Uh, we will talk about both of those subjects, and then poverty, abject poverty, around the world. And yes, and the third world. In other okay. words, abject poverty. Well, I'll tell you, Jerry. Now, you brought up a huge subject, Mike. What's that? I'd like to listen off of Okay, that'll be great, Jerry. Thank you so much for calling. And wow, those are subjects we could talk a long time oh, about, man. I think. And I uh, appreciate that call. Appreciate your call, Jerry, uh, and so forth. Uh, but let's go. Let's talk uh, now, obviously, uh, and the format of this show and um, the time constraints, other things. We're not going to be able to do a an exhaustive study, especially off the top of our heads about the trinity and so forth that would take several that's a big show but but it's a very critical and important topic and a lot of people think it's one of the more um troublesome parts of christianity and the idea there now now look i'm not going to speak for gary but i don't usually use the word trinity in my discussion about these matters because the bible doesn't use the word trinity 
And therefore, if I use that word, having gone to, quote unquote, college and all that kind of stuff about, you know, biblical biblical studies, uh, I know that that word is loaded up with all kinds of assumed meanings, depending on what denomination you're part of and depending on, you know, what, as they say, religious heritage you're part of. That word Trinity is all loaded up and they differ from one another in many respects. So if I use the word Trinity, then sometimes I am uh, going to be misleading people. What Gary and I would rather do, I'll, I'll speak for him for a moment, I know on a general basis, what we'd rather do is try to go to the Bible and let the Bible speak for itself. And it doesn't use the word Trinity. It, it does talk about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, though. And I think it obviously talks about all three of those being God, which brings up a whole rash of questions and as it were, problems, but it doesn't use the word Trinity. And that's the subject that's been argued about since the early centuries of Christianity, just what is this Trinity? And the, some of the religious traditions today, uh, like Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, don't believe in what we would naturally call the Father, Son, Holy Spirit as such. They don't believe, uh, they don't believe that Jesus is God, uncreated, uh, they believe he's a created being, and so do some other uh, denominations that call themselves Christians, and so forth. Now, Gary and I believe that the Father is God, that Jesus Christ is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Yes. As different different manifestations, and and so in fact, you can look this up, and maybe you can prove me wrong. The Bible never even calls these three persons in the Trinity doesn't call them persons as such. It may mean that. It may just not use that word. But so when you start making a creed that somebody has to hold their hand up and swear to that they that God is in three persons, some people are going to balk at that because they're not using biblical language. And yet it may be true in the way that we define, depending on how you define what a person is and what God is. Gary, you were going to say something. Well, gonna... basically, uh, I, I tried to use the word threefold nature of God to refer to what a lot of people call the Trinity, and that just became too cumbersome. The, the reason Trinity works and is talked about, it's easy. Well, I agree with that. That's uh, exactly that it, right. It's just easy, but it's really... So it's an accommodation, and, a... and that's not always bad. Right. The word Christianity is not in the Bible, and neither is the word Bible in the Bible. Right. As such. So, yeah, we're not against, you know, uh, using accommodative language in that sense. But so, when it's loaded up as a definition and then thrown at you, do you believe in the Trinity? I got to know what that person really means. means, really means. And so I think it's best in the long run to go and explain, uh, explain what the Bible does say about some of those things. And what I would say is the Bible does give God a threefold nature or. Uh, an interpreted separateness, if you will. It's like you said, it, it does not say these are persons, though at least God the Father and God the Son are really couched in that language in the New Testament and the Old. Right. Uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't seem to be so much couched in that, but then there's an inference, uh, that there's a natural inference for that from the way it's used. Well, yes, and we can come to that. I, I'd say this is an easy subject just to go a Scott shotgun everywhere. Let's start off with this kind of language. Maybe we can start with some of the language that we can get from the Bible and see what you think about that. Here's a verse that sort of speaks to this idea of Trinity and the three, per what did you say, threefold nature, three of, God. nature of God. But it, yet it, it also is also a very difficult passage open to various understandings. And that's 1 John 5, verse 6. Uh, not always where the first place you're usually going to go, but let's just go there. And it says about Jesus, 1 John 5, 6, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by, wa by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. Now, so who is this Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit? Well, we know from, from John, John 1 that the Word is Jesus Christ, who came and dwelt among men. 
So here you have three on earth, you see, that I mean, in heaven, Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Now, now see, that in, that in English, understood in the most fundamental way by many people, is a self-contradiction. How can three be one? Well, depends on what na- part of the nature you're talking about and what aspects of those three are one. Now, we know that they agree as one. Is there more to this unity than simply agreeing, agreement or concordance? That's been an issue that's just been debated down through the centuries. Some, I think John texted in and said, well, the Trinity came about as a doctrine in 325. That's the Council of Nicaea. That may be true, but once again, Gary and I don't care about councils and so okay. forth. The question is, what does, and that's the problem that we're getting at here is that some of these councils made statements that some of them appear to be true and some don't. That doesn't mean that that's exactly what the word taught. Well, a lot of these statements are inferences, but they're not necessary from the scripture. Uh, we can, you, can, you can infer a lot of things from a scriptural source, but the degree for which it is necessary to infer what is said is different from place to place. Yeah, and what you can draw from an inference needs to be limited to what is reasonable for that inference. Right, or necessarily what can be inferred from a combination of scriptures, not just one. Um, And in many cases, on the surface, they appear to contradict, but really don't. Well, now, Jerry answered the, asked the question about the Trinity. We can go right to the beginning of the Bible, and I think we had a text about this a moment ago, um, I think John texted it, but Genesis 1.26 is one place I was going to go. I went to John because he gives the same language. These three are one. Now, look, some would dispute about that. I can live with that language. If you ask me if you believe that that the three in the Godhead or God are one, I agree with that because that's scriptural language. Do I understand all the implications of that? I I doubt it. Okay, but I can agree to the language, and if that's what you mean by Trinity— that there are three that are one in heaven. Well, yes, I agree with that because that's what the scriptures say. Well, and also Jesus makes the comment in, in the Gospels, I believe it's in several places, that he and the Father are one. Well, yes, in, and so and, you have that a lot of the time. And you have a we lot. We can agree that with that. Lot, but, but it doesn't say there. It doesn't say in John that there are three persons in heaven. No, it doesn't. And, and now, it may be that. That may be true. But that's not what it says. But Jesus does expand on that a little bit from place to place, being that he and the Father are one in purpose and one in what they say and one in what they do. Right. That's, that's, and that's a kind of unity that, that goes beyond. And the other aspect of this, Gary, before let's go, we're going to go to Genesis in a moment. Part of this problem is that, and it, it helps, I think what I'm getting at now, helps you with the Trinity and may make it worse. <laughs> make it worse at the same time. But that we tend to look at things from a standpoint of what it's like for a human to be three in one. And we say, well, that can't be. Well, we're going to come to that in just a moment. Now, before we go any further, I'm going to preface what I'm saying. And I alluded to it a moment ago. I guess I've come, I think I've come to the conclusion, reading something even the other day, Gary, that I take a little bit of an unorthodox position on the Trinity idea compared to some people. And I do not want you listeners to saddle Gary Jones with what I think about that. That wouldn't be fair to him, maybe not even fair to me, since if you don't agree with me, you're probably wrong. Well, we've but, had, but, we've you know, had people call and say, you know, you, you and Mike always agree. Well, we don't always no, agree. No, we don't always now, agree. It, it we just not, don't air those disagreements uh, over the air. Not always. We, no, we don't. We don't afraid to say we do, but, but usually they're about things that are not of major consequence, consequence. in my opinion. Uh, and I have confidence that Gary Jones respects the word of God, and that's the main thing, and is going to take it seriously and, and, and plainly, and I, I think I what, can, we can work together because of that, but what, we're not. What we're Mike not and I agree on is the word of God is the source of what we should do, exactly. and we need to apply all of our abilities and our talents to understand right. accurately what it says. And over we time, share that view. And we will, over time, come to more more concordance in our own view over those things. If we agree. And that's our whole, that's the point of being a New Testament Christian, what the show is about. If people would lay down their denominational creeds and what the councils have said and what the Pope says and just talk, talk about what the Bible says, over time, we can come to an agreement about these things. There can be unity. This isn't about being 
divisive. It's about having unity. But we don't believe the way forward is to each group acknowledge that that we're uh, we're all just separate groups and we all disagree, but we're all all co- all cool together. You know, uh, why can't we all just get along? That's not the point of Christianity. But we do believe that if we laid down our own personal views and began to accept what the Bible says and the language of the Bible, we could agree on things. Now, where I was going is all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, there are hints of this whole thing that although God is one and there is one God, there is something else going on here that's different. Whatever name you want to give it, that's fine. But when here is the statement in Genesis 1.26. God saw that everything he had made was good, it says, or very good in verse 20. uh, Everything was good in verse 25. And then God said, Elohim is the word used there. Let us make man in our, and by the word, Elohim is plural. El is singular, Elohim is plural. And God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and so forth. And so God created man in his image, in the image of God, created he him, male and female, created he them, and so forth. So here's this strange thing right at the very beginning of the Bible. Let us make man in our image. Well, who in the world is he talking about? One explanation that's been given is that this is the magisterial we, meaning by that the king says, we declare such and such and such and such. Well, what the king means is, I'm saying this, and I'm the king, and so we, that is all the people all of that, that are in the court, in this case might be angels or whatever, we all are going to do what I say, we're all going to agree, this is the way it's going to be. That's called the magisterial we, uh, as it were, in writing and in thought, and you see it used by humans all the time. Is that what's going on here? Well, that's certainly a reasonable possibility. Well, at least but part of that. This is repeated several times. Yeah, and at least part of the explanation of that is is John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. There's a partial explanation of that right yeah, there. Yeah, so I, I don't think that, I, I'm trying, I'm going to get this so you don't misunderstand me. I do not think that Genesis 1 about let us make man is the magisterial we, although that's a reasonable explanation. I think he's talking more about what Gary just read in John 1, which is very parallel to Genesis 1, that there is someone else there who is God, who is with God in the beginning, and who was God. So the idea there is, the the book also says in Colossians that Jesus Christ is the express image of his person, of God's person. So he is, in essence, the very essence of God. Whatever it means to be God, Jesus Christ, or Christ, the word, was that and so there's there was eventually at some at some point in history some differentiation by giving this word a body god does not have a body he's a spirit the bible says several times at some point this aspect of god was given a body and became not just the word but became a man named jesus who was born, who was raised in Nazareth, born in Jer- Nazareth, born in Jerusalem. And so that's the difference. This is the great dispute between Judaism and Christianity, according to the Jews, that we Christians are polytheists. And, and this Islam, is Islam's and, complaint uh, yes. against, against Christianity, why we are called infidels. As fundamental as anything else, it isn't all about the prophet Muhammad. A lot of it's about this very idea that we believe that Jesus Christ was God. Now, I think the Bible says that, and so I understand and I believe that. Do I understand all that that implies and means? Do I, can I explain how you can have three in one? Well, I think I can. I've read a lot of explanations how there can be three in one. Persons doesn't, doesn't do it to me. That's the reason I, re- I don't accept the idea of three persons, because I don't think that it makes any kind of explanation possible that doesn't mean lead to more than one God. I reject the idea that there's more than one God. I am not a polytheist. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Okay, And I think that, that even though it's in the Old Testament, I think that's correct. Jesus quotes that verse in the New Testament. But here's the, here's the explanation 
that I give, you've probably heard this before. I know Gary has. I don't think it's the egg, you know, the shell, the membrane, or the shell, the white, and the yolk of the egg. I don't think that's what it means by one. These three are one. I don't think it's some other thing that you can use of a physical nature that make three into one because there's a whole lot more part to the egg than three and so forth. They all, all those kind of illustrations are uh, fall apart at some, somebody says, well, you take a glass of water and you can pour alcohol in the water and you can dissolve sugar in the water and you don't have any change in the water. It still looks the same. Yeah. Well, that, that's okay too, I suppose, but that's not really, I think what he's saying is that's the, that's the parallel to the three in one oil explanation. Yes. And I, I'm not, I don't think that's what's going on. The physical explanations in my, from my own reading over the years, I've never read one that can't, doesn't have a really a big flaw in the analogy. Now you can push any analogy too far, but all those to me have a flaw, but here's one I think makes sense. And I don't know whether Gary agrees or not, but I, I want to reason backwards just a little bit. And that is, that we are said in First Thessalonians 5.23 that we have a body, soul, and spirit. Human beings, each individually, are comprised of body, soul, and spirit. We don't really see much of this soul. We don't, can't put our hands on it. can't put it on a scale. We can't put the spirit in us on a scale. And we can dispute what these three are. I think soul is the animating life principle that makes me not just a piece of dead flesh, that makes me alive, like an animal alive. And then there's the spirit, which is which is like God as far as the rationality and the mind. And then there's my body, which gives all this a way to interact with the physical world. We live in a physical world. And my body gives my gives my mind and this life principle a way to interact with the with the physical world. And so I'm a ghost within a machine, but I'm three parts: body, soul, and spirit. Well, what does it mean then when it says, let us Make man, and we know from other parts of the Bible, I think that us there is three, right? There are three that bear witness in heaven. The word, which was in the beginning with God, according to the verse Gary read, Jesus, and that's G, we know him as Jesus. And then there is the Holy Spirit, and then there's the Father, as we know him in the New Testament, the Father. These three are in heaven. Those three, he said, let us make man in our own image. We know from John 1 that Jesus was the creator, the word was the creator. Nothing was ever created without him creating it. And I know he didn't create himself, that's an impossibility. So he's not a created being. The Jehovah's Witnesses are just wrong about that. He's not a created being. He is, was eternal. He was with God at the beginning, in the beginning. Without him, nothing, nothing was, was made, made that, that was made. made. So, so the implication is he himself. was not made. Yeah. You cannot have him making himself. The verse completely in its la the language excludes that entirely. And, and so he is not a created being. So he was eternal. So you have three in, in the beginning, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or God, Father, and Spirit, the God, the Word, and the Spirit, according to John. And then you have three, he made, he made mankind in his image, body, soul, and spirit. Now, there are some times in our, our existence there's sometimes in our existence that we, uh, our body is more obvious to uh, what we're interacting, just our physical body, sometimes our soul, sometimes the, our spirit. We, we, it, it, it changes depending on the circumstance we're, we're in and so forth. Uh, my mother-in-law laid over there in that nursing home, wonderful woman that she was, at, at, after having been so brilliant and intelligent and kind and generous, and she shriveled up into a curled up little ball that couldn't move, couldn't, and eventually died from not eating from Alzheimer's. I believed until the day that she took her last breath that her, her, she was still three, body, soul, and spirit. But I can tell you the last year or two of her life, there was no evidence that I could perceive of a spirit that was there because the spirit was shut down from interacting with the world as we know it because her body was defective. The body was present and the body was breathing and it was alive. And then there came a day when the, when the soul, the life principle was taken from the body and there was just a piece of withered flesh on that bed, which we buried. 
But well, the, so, so over time, you saw the three aspects of her right. present. And there's an interdependence between those three that we do not fully understand. Exactly. That's the point. And we don't understand how it works with Father, Son, Holy Spirit either. But right. most of my mother-in-law's life, as I interact with her, her body, soul, and spirit were all very present in, in the room that she entered and how she was alive and interacting with people. All three were present and, and interacting, as and they were doing so as one. Okay? And even the Bible has language. He came to himself, you know, things like that. And he thought within himself. <laughs> to start psychoanalyzing what those expressions mean, we do, we know we know what they mean kind of instinctively, but there's this division of the three in uh, of the three from the one, and yet they're still one. Now I believe in some, uh, with my own crude understanding, that this is on the right track on some fashion to explaining what Jerry called in about the Trinity. So and I, I think that helps me. Now, the, uh, I know you want to say something here. Let me finish what I'm saying. I want you to understand I recognize the limitations of that parallel and so forth. But I do think it's based on Scripture, not on an egg okay, or a glass of water. My explanation of the Trinity is based on a scriptural understanding. At least I'll give it that. But how it works, I don't want to become a um, modalist, they say. Well, well, and God just exists in modes. He's in this mode now. He's in that mode the other time. And no, Jesus is more than a mode. And the Holy Spirit is more than a mode. Well, Does the Bible call him a person? No, that's where we a person, you know, personality maybe. But. Well, what we're beginning to touch on now is order. There is an order there as well. Well, there's Fa- authority, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yes, that, that that order, and we haven't even touched on that. And like like I said. This subject basically could take a week of shows. Well, well, there is an order to human existence, too. Yes. According to the Bible, my mind is the top of the order. It is what I should be. My body should always be under the control of my mind. Your body can influence your mind, but, well, yes. but it's supposed to be under, under control. The control. And, and my, my spirit, my life principle is under the control of my mind. And yet there are also independent and, and yet, and that's the problem. In the world, we tend to live by let our flesh, our physical body, determine what we're going to do. What we this want or what we feel then becomes right. that physical aspect of it. And God is always imploring us to put the control of our body into the mind. And the mind has to be educated as to what God wants rather than what we want. That's the principle right. that's in the Bible. Well, now so, in this in this early, oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, right? and that's the reason we look to Scripture for study to control our lives because that's what God is desiring. I, I I don't know whether you agree with this or not, but God, I believe, is trying to make us more like Him. We will oh, never yes. be completely like Him, but He is trying to make us more <laughs> like that's Him. That's where our that's that's the point of which. Our mind and our life are under the control of our mind, which is the Father in the in this my crude analogy, because even Jesus or Paul says First Corinthians fifteen that at the end of time, Jesus will return the kingdom back to the Father, and and got so that God may be all in all. So there is this great mystery of how the three interact, but in the end, the mind, the Father, in my crude analogy, is in control and that's, of the body, which is Christ is the body, right? And so you have this crude analogy. Well, and, and it goes back to that's part of the explanation for when we see Scripture says we should be in Christ and Christ in us. That's the who's controlling us. Who's controlling right. us via, and how does he do it? He does it via the Word of God, which we need to understand. That's Correct. That's where we're going with this. Now, we just... We just, what, spent, what, 30 minutes on this, a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. But that's the best synopsis, I think, that either one of us can give anyone out there listening to us. Yes, and and I'm not saying that there aren't deficiencies with this way of understanding. But if you're going to come up with a theory of the Trinity, at least base it on a biblical analogy, not a physical one from a laboratory or whatever the case may be, and try to comp. And, and here's the other th- principle. And then I want to make a. We got a couple of texts. I want to make a comment about Gary about this. But um, 
be certain that when you begin to discuss a paradox like the Trinity, that you are willing to let it dot, let your thoughts stop where the Bible stops with this analogy. This is what happens so many times when we come up on a mystery or a paradox. We tend to push one side of the paradox so far that we eliminate the other. Okay, yes, God is one. When you push that statement all the way to the to the exclusion of all the rest, then you have to begin to contradict scriptures where Jesus is standing in the water, the Holy Spirit's falling, and the Father says from heaven, this is my beloved Son whom I'm well pleased. You have to, you have to begin to explain that away. So you have some people that say that Jesus is everything. They're Jesus-only Pentecostals. And you have some that completely deny that there are three that are one. Then you have others, and, and so you you can go. And then you have others who, like I say, make Jesus all that there is. You begin to push it, and you de- begin to deny s- simple statements of the Scripture. Be careful when you begin to start to have to deny simple statements of Scripture. And there are some, on as it were, quote unquote, both sides of this issue of the Trinity, and you have to be willing to acknowledge that either mystery or paradox, and reserve judgment until you can understand it later. Now, we had a text about Mark 10, 18. Let me see if I can find that here. Well, I'm at a, dis- I, I I'm at a disadvantage, my- Mike. I'm mad at Windows. Oh, you are? Yeah, Windows is doing an update right now, even though, oh, I, told, even though I told it not to. Aren't so my, my computer is completely tied up. Well, the mind of Bill Gates is going to control... Your body today, Gary. That's yeah, the that's, yeah, yeah, that's so right. all of my material is gone. It's right gone <laughs> until Windows gets finished updating. Right. I'm sure it's just such a crucial update. Oh yeah, it's because Windows was designed so well in the first place. Even though I even I, even though morning. I clicked the box that says put it off till later, it was well, to see to the secular left of which Bill Gates is part and all the other and Apple too and all the rest of them. Sunday mornings are just useless downtime. They're just have, they society has no no benefit or use for Sunday mornings. That's the time when you can do updates because nobody that really matters is really it's doing on, anything it's on, their on computer. Sunday morning. Yeah, they don't really they're 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 sleeping in from sat from Saturday night or whatever, and so nobody that matters like religious people. Am I being cynical? I don't know, but uh, this is what's why do you pick Sunday morning to do yes. your updates? There's a reason why it's happening now. And most computers do it's because they think nobody really will care. Now, what they say is, well, yeah, you should make, you should be in church not on your computer. I know that's an answer. I don't believe that's what Bill Gates and and uh, the late Steve Jobs had in mind by that, that everybody should be at church like like they are this morning. Yeah. Right. So anyway, don't don't get me started. But anyway, well, don't don't get me wrong. For those folks out there listening, computers can be a very oh, powerful wonderful. tool for studying the Bible. You can learn a lot basically using the computer to relate passages together and you can understand do so many things. good things oh it, it's it's tremendous but, but then, they have a, they're a tool they have a use right and and the people behind them also have an agenda sometimes to use that tool the way they want you to use them well now this verse comes in Gary if I can get it back up here I'm looking at my Apple watch now okay <laughs> for whatever that's worth it uh, I can read some text from from certain message systems on my on my watch. But it says uh, Mark 10:18 has Jesus separating himself. Oh, let's go over and look at that. Mark 10:18 has Jesus separating himself. So here's it says Jesus said to here, here's a man that comes to Jesus. A man came running down the road, knelt before him, and asked him, "Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said to him, "Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God." Now. I don't know if Jesus was saying, "Well, don't call me good because I'm not God." I think he was. I think he was personally even reading this the way the, inter, the way the rest of this interaction takes place. It's just as likely he was kind of calling the man out. Why are you flattering me? What's your mo- what is your motive for flattering me, calling me a good teacher? Do you really think that I'm God because only God is good? Or are you flattering me so I'll give you the answer that you want? Or so I'll think you're great? Which one is it? 
and and of course I think Jesus did say eventually he is God he 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 what uh, had come from his father and so forth but he is challenging this man on what he means by good teacher and okay. I think he's also saying since you think I'm a good teacher and only one is good but God when I tell you what I think will you do what I say and uh-huh. you, you know what you find out you find out he this man this story. Yeah. won't do what Jesus says. Well, I think he's also saying, do you really well, understand what you said when you said good, good teach? teach? Yes, and I think I don't think he's denying that he's God. Now, is he separating himself into parts? Um, I don't I don't know. But it's obvious while Jesus was on the earth that he was not the Father. The Father was in heaven. He kept saying this. Yes. Himself. The Father's in heaven. I'm here. But he and I are one. And whatever you see, if you want to see the Father, look at me. Now, if you, you want to hear the Father, hear the Father listen, listen to what to I'm me. saying. So he's saying, I'm one with the Father. I am him. I come in the flesh. Now, this brings up another whole subject. I, I think the big sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross was leaving his state as an eternal spirit being as God and taking on the form of man in a body. And he even when it's changed into a spiritual body, like at his resurrection, he's not getting rid of the body. He's becoming a man. This is the great sacrifice, Christ becoming a man. And uh, that's another whole subject that many people disagree with me about. Uh, And hard to understand. And hard to understand. And there are limits. You can't push it too far because we don't know all the answers. But I, I, yeah, and to answer in simple terms, if you, Jerry, if you are listening still, if you if you are saying, is there a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that are all three God, the essence of God, I say yes. I believe Gary agrees with that. Yes. These three are one. I will not necessarily accept the, some of the classical or uh, liturgical definitions of God or, or the Trinity that might have been given down through time. I feel no obligation to accept those. We're not going to make you put your have a subscribe to a creed if you want to be a member of this church. We're going to make you subscribe to the idea that the Bible is true. We're going to understand the Bible together. But we're going to try to, we have to leave what it says about the Trinity where it does. Now, there's a ton more things, many more things that can be said about this. Oh, there are many more scriptures, and we need to look at the context and and comparison in those things that we should be looking at. Right. But hopefully this gives people from the beginning in Genesis down through the book of of First John, an understanding that the Bible is pretty clear that there is one God, but that God, that one God, his essence includes three, that is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or as John puts it, uh, the Father, the Word, uh, God, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. We haven't even discussed the divinity of the Holy Spirit yet, uh, and that's sometimes disputed. I know in Acts chapter 5, when Ananias lied about how much he had given peter told him first you've lied to god and then he says you've lied to the spirit so you know they they are the same in the way peter is addressing those and that's that's one verse i hear your computer coming back to life again well now i've got another five minute wait when it reboots oh okay well that's a that's that i guess well jerry i appreciate your question if you want to know more about it if any of the other listeners want us to discuss this subject further I'd be glad to to do that. There's a chart out there that I've seen since I was a boy, a kind of a circle, and has Father, Son, Holy Spirit at three angles on the circle, three points on the circle. And it shows you, in the middle it says God, and it says there's all these verses that say that God, uh, um, what does it say, that Jesus is God, but Jesus is not the, fa- uh, not the Father, and, and Jesus, Jesus is God, but he's not the Holy Spirit. And it goes around, for, you can see this for all three, and it gives you the different verses to sustain each of these propositions. If you let me, if you don't know about that chart, if you want to fo- want to see it, I'll uh, I'll get one together here and uh, email it to you or send it, text it to you. All you got to do is let us know. Uh, you can, as I mentioned, you could text me at seven seven two two six zero six one two zero seven seven two two six zero six one two zero and ask for that chart on the Trinity, as it were. I'll send it to you, or you can email the email this show. I didn't even give you that contact. You can email this show anytime, and we'll use 
uh, some of your questions on the air if we if it's suitable. Uh, you can email us at justchristians at att.net. Justchristians at att.net. And uh, we appreciate you uh, listening. Uh, there, there's another text here. See, I know this was going to uh, uh, really open things up, but uh, John says most early Christians believed Jesus was not divine until his baptism. That could be. Uh, once again, and I don't say this critical of, our, of the texture. That's not what I mean. I just want you to try to illustrate principles. I don't base what I believe on what most early Christians believed. Once again, or what not, we or what we think what we think they believe. I'm not going to point. I'm not going to point you in that direction. We can talk about that. And I have whole huge bookshelves of history books, and I've probably studied quite a bit at one time in my life on the Antonicene fathers, the the early what was it called church fathers before 325 and so forth. But I still don't believe that the Antonicene fathers are authoritative. I think that the scriptures are authoritative because we know that the scriptures predicted, Paul did, that after his death and after the, I meant, I think he means in general by the death of the apostles, that the, that many of these so-called fathers were going to fall away from the truth and teach and they error, did. and they did. There, so there I, are arguments about the writings of Iranius uh, and Tertullian and and, and all those origin, Justin all those Martyr guys, and, yeah. and, and all of those, there are different opinions about what they wrote. And I'll be honest with you, some of the translations that I've seen of Arrhenius don't look too good to me. No, Origen was really out there. Yeah. But uh, he was a little bit later. Now, now there was apparently a connection for what we believe to be true from John to Polycarp to Arrhenius. They all three were, you know, John knew Polycarp or Polycarp knew John. I believe it was, I hope I got this in the right order. And, yeah, then, but, well, there, and then Polycarp, and then is telling me what Polycarp told him that John said. I, I don't uh, trust. I think that. there's another one between Polycarp and Arrhenius. It could be. I think basically when you go and, and you know just a sidetrack here, that's all related to some passages that tend to indicate when, or tend people think indicated when the Book of Revelation was written or the Revelation was given, and it's all third-hand knowledge. Now, so the, the upshot of what I'm saying is uh, about this, go and read, try to figure out what the Bible says. It's, it's, it's a hard subject, and the best way to, I'll say this tongue-in-cheek, the best way to do this is just to listen to what I told you, and I'll solve all your problems about this, right, Gary? Anyway, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just teasing about that. But, no, I'm trying to give you an explanation, and Gary, Gary's thoughts, too, based on what the scriptures say in a way that seems a straightforward way of understanding them. Uh, I don't think we can find the answer in what somebody in history believes or what a council says, although those fellows that wrote in some of the early writings were very uh, educated and very thoughtful. It's just that some of them had political motivations for the things that they were writing, and there was a lot of all that. But that's still not authoritative. The authority is the scripture. On this matter, that's the main point I want to get through to you. Well, one of the and things, then don't go overboard with any one of these views, and be willing to accept that some of the scriptures may present a paradox to you that you can't explain, and accept that it's a paradox. I can't explain it, and be willing to live with that paradox or unexplained part of the scripture until you can find out. Be willing to live with it, and not go off and, and shoot yourself off in a direction, and that's how you get into false teaching. You get pulled away by one extreme off into some territory, and don't let the scriptures keep you centered. Anyway, Gary, you were going to say something. Well, it, it, it all goes back to, I think, a lot of credibility is given to these guys because they think they're closer to the original documents. And that's just, I'm, okay. I, I'm, I'm basically of the opinion that they probably didn't have all of the, they didn't have the original documents, nor did they have as complete uh, a canon as we have today. They may not, but that. You know, these guys were not more infallible than people today in reading that. They still were trying to do their best. So they're still a human being, and they're not inspired. And so, therefore, I don't trust what they say implicitly. I can learn from it, but I don't trust what they say implicitly because they simply are not inspired. And we need to be cautious about that um, to um, 
and, and be careful about how much we give authority we give any person who's not an inspired apostle. And that's what this show is about. It's about the idea that we are going to trust what the Bible says at, to make our doctrine and belief, both personally and in the church, and not depend upon human traditions and customs. We're going to go back to what the scriptures say. That's the best. Now, you may not agree with that premise, but I, that's the best that I could do, that I could think anybody could do, to give us some kind of certainty as human beings. There's nothing that God could have done differently than he did to make everybody believe or be more certain. People think, well, if God had done this, no, people who didn't believe, they, were mir- they watched Jesus do miracles standing right in front of them and they didn't believe. What, what else could God do? And, and he decided to reveal his word through inspired men and write it down for future generations. There's not a, nothing else he could do to confirm it. He confirmed those original people with miracles, the the word, the Spirit went with them, confirming by miracles the word that the apostles were preaching. He put his stamp of approval on what they said, and that's why we go to them for our authority. They have the stamp of approval of the miracles in the first century to show that these men were indeed speaking from God. Now, Origen, Tertullian, and all those fellows later were, were good men, perhaps, but they weren't speaking from God. So I give them, I have a lot of people in my life that I grew up listening to men I respect highly as far as human beings, professors and other colleagues. And I listen to what they say and learn from it, but I don't treat what they say as if it's God's word. I don't think that's a hard thing to understand. Uh, we, we would like maybe more certainty than that, but well, we it need doesn't to, exist. We need to be more like the Bereans. Basically, they listen to Paul and then they went to the scriptures to search and see if what Paul was saying was true. Right. That's how we have to treat uh, scholars, uh, commentators, uh, preachers. That's how our listeners should treat us. Right. Uh, it, it's it's you, you need when we say something, you need to open your Bible and go see if what we said was true. That's that's why we're giving you that's that that's reference. why and we will give you Bible references as best we can. That's our point. Uh, Mike, when I when I wanted to start a show like this, I have to believe that there are people out there listening that want to know what's in the Bible. They want to know God's truth. Right. That's what we're so here for. We're trying for. to show you how to read it, how, where to, go how, to, find how to read to it and understand it. Now, you have to put your mind to it and your work in it. That's the hard part. You need to study some of these things. You're going to have to open the book. You're going to have to compare the passages. You're going to have to research some of these things. Right. Well, Gary, um, sorry, I no, that's, that's okay. That's, I appreciate that's that. That's, that's what the premise is about. So we drifted off from the question about the Trinity, but I want you to see where we're coming from in answering a difficult question. We can talk more about this later. Uh, we did have a text that came in late last week, and I was here by myself when I didn't get to it, that we have about five minutes left or so, seven minutes left. So I'd like to, unless there's a call that's coming through, I would like to deal with that very briefly. And I mentioned to you all over here in the car, and we had a text about, should Christians participate in Halloween? And I think we should do it this week only because time we wait, wait it'll be over. Mm-hmm. And nobody will be thinking nobody about it. Nobody will care about it until next year again. Same thing we do with Christmas every year. We want to talk about it when it's too late to do anything about it. But anyway, maybe we should do a Christmas show the week next week or two. huh? How about that? When was Christ born? That's before <laughs> December. Oh. I always want to preach on the birth of Christ in July, but I never do. But in, in any event, should Christians participate in Halloween? Of course, Halloween is just short for all hallows even or evening. And apparently it goes back to the idea of November 1st in the Catholic Church's calendar of things in Europe was All Saints Day, a day of worshiping the saints, which we don't believe in worshiping the saints. I don't think the Bible teaches that at all. There's no such thing as saints the way that the Catholic Church teaches them. All of us are saints if we're in Christ Jesus. But that was All Saints Day. So the day before was used by some people to be a day uh, for celebrating or remembering the evil, as it were, or the dead, uh, all hallows, even, the, the dead and spirits and so forth. So it came to be kind of a, a, a time, even back then, it was a little bit sp- spookier, mystical 
and and so forth. There's a lot to be discussed about this subject. We only have a couple, few minutes, but uh, as far as what you should do, number one, I, Gary and I were discussing. We have seen the nature of Halloween celebration change dramatically in our lifetime. When I was boy a boy, it was about uh, people dressing up like a bunny rabbit or an old lady or a hobo or something, and going out and getting candy, you know, from people. And they, and then you'd if they didn't get, give you a treat, some of our friends would soap the windows of the house, you know, or the screens, you know, and and this kind of thing, and toilet paper or some trick like that. A relatively harmless thing. But now we've seen this resurgence in our lifetime of the occult and the demonic brought into Halloween, where now it's all about the macabre and this fascination with uh, evil spirits and demons and horror movies and all that stuff has become extremely exaggerated in our lifetime. Yeah, 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 because you can only watch how, uh, not Fright Night, huh? Right. Uh, the worst thing back then was The Mummy and the Wolfman or Frankenstein. Now it's you can't even watch it. It's so horrible. But there's a change in culture that's happened, and that's why that has taken place. And so the kid, and then it becomes an excuse for young ladies, even prepubescent ladies, to dress up as if they're some kind of uh, uh, prostitute or, or slut and parade around half naked. And it's permissible to do that on Halloween because, after all, it's uh, it's, it's Halloween. It's yeah, it's all in fun. And so uh, in any event, that's been the change. Now, I think this is a change that's happened in society because uh, people become more used to believing that the devil is acting in society in some uh, more overt way. And and they believe believe in active demon possession, which is another whole subject we can deal with and all kind of other things like that. <laughs> that I'm not sure the, the I don't think that that's biblical teaching, and so they they have well they believe more that God is doing miracles today, and therefore Satan is more active today. These things all these things go together, so the nature of Halloween has changed. But I'm going to say this: I don't think you can reject a day like that just because its origins were pagan, and that that applies to Christ to Christmas. There's something more to it than that. You, that's a part of it. You can, if that's the reason. But notice this passage in, in Romans 14, and you may agree or disagree whether this applies or not. But in Romans 14, they were, the issue was, can you eat the meat that was bought in the marketplace, that was dedicated when it was brought into the market to a pagan god? Can Christians eat that meat? Some Christians who had been pagans and worshipped these false gods said no, because I'm not going to worship a false god. So they became vegetarians. Other Christians said, well, it doesn't bother me because I don't care about all that. What was the truth? Well, uh, Paul said in Romans 14, verse 2, For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has, has received him. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he indeed falls, and so forth, or stands. Verse 5, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. And so he he say, and he goes on to say a lot more time is limited. But I think this is saying that if you can celebrate Halloween in a, a non-spiritual way that doesn't involve worshiping God or worshiping the devil, then that's fine. It's just a cultural event, and it doesn't affect your conscience, and you're free to do that. If you always associate this with devil worship and the occult, then no, I don't think you should celebrate Halloween because I think you might violate your conscience or the conscience of someone else. Now, if you can do it like we did when we were kids and just about having fun and getting candy and being a hobo for a night, fine. But if to you it means a worship of the devil and and all that, then I think you should stay away from it. Participating. participating in something that would be like the devil worship. I think you should stay away from it. Well, it all goes back to knowledge, whether or not these things are real or whether or not yes. not part of our life as a Christian. And, and basically, you can go back to Naaman and look at the same thing. So it, it's in both Old and New Testament. Right. Well, listen, we're going to have to stop uh, and go go to the end of the show. I appreciate everybody listening today. We've got just a few seconds left. Let me tell you about our website, wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com is the website. 
You'll find archives of this show, of the sermons here at the church, lots of information. We'd like to invite you to attend our service at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard today at 10 and 11 and 7.30 on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. We appreciate the text and the phone calls. Continue to listen next week, and may God bless you until then. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie on WPSL.